0: Dear congregation, I'd invite you to please turn your attention to that passage of Holy Scripture that I read to you in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, and I wish this evening to consider a question that is put by the Lord Jesus Christ to those disciples that were with him in the verse 67. And over the next few weeks, should I say, I want to consider a series in the evenings our gospel sermons of questions that we find in Scripture—it's a good way to consider what God has to say. A question to us, and here is a question put to the disciples in verse sixty-seven. I read from verse sixty-six: "From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him." Then said Jesus unto the twelve, "Will ye?" also go away? And that's the question that we could put to ourselves. question he put to his disciples. A disciple simply means a follower of the Lord Jesus and it's very clear in verse 66 that many of his disciples walked with him no more. It doesn't mean that they were converted. It certainly means that they weren't converted. They weren't regenerate. It seemed for a little while, that they were his true disciples. And that's the question, are we truly saved? Are we the Lord's? How does this question find us? We want to consider the the context of this question this evening, the teaching of it. Many things happen on this scene. In fact, the day before, we read of how many were fed by the fishes and the loaves And there was a great number of people following him, and a a vast number of disciples. The majority, it seems, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. It seems the vast majority of the followers followed him no more. And yet there was still one who was a false disciple. And yet, continued with the Lord Jesus, who would soon reveal himself to be a false disciple. How do we know whether we are the Lord's? Or we are we a Christian? Do we know the Lord in name only? Or do we know him as our disciple, as our teacher, as our Lord, as our God, and as our Savior? So we have here. These things, this question comes amidst a division of a great number of disciples. And many, we read, of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And he asked the question. He said to the twelve, will ye also go away? And Of course, we have Simon Peter's answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life and we believe and assure that thou art that Christ, the Christ which was to be come into the world, the Son of the living God and so on. So this comes amidst people supposedly renouncing their faith. Now I'm sure you've heard over the years people say, Something like this. Well, I used to be a Christian, but I'm no more a Christian. Let me say, first of all, that is a false statement because it is impossible to be a Christian and then not to be a Christian because it is irreversible. The new birth, let me say it, is irreversible. It cannot be changed. So when somebody makes a statement like that, they really don't know what they're talking about. What they mean is they thought they were a Christian. They thought they were a believer. And well, they say, well, I've lost my religion. You've heard that song by, I think, a, a pop group over the years back, I'm losing my religion. Well, the Christian never really loses their religion, never truly loses faith, because faith is the gift of God. And the gifts of God are without repentance. God doesn't take them back. When God changes a heart, he changes it forever. And the Christian will never fall away. Those who fall away were never really Christians. I hope if I make any sense tonight, you understand that one simple thing. But we want to ask the question tonight, why Did these go away from Scripture? Why did they go away? And uh, maybe this will help answer some questions that you have running through your mind about yourself. Am I in this category? Am I in the category of those who are the Lord's? Maybe you're seeking the Lord. But maybe you're seeking the Lord with wrong motives. And many people do. And one of the things we can say, firstly, why many of these people went and followed him no more, is that they were seeking him for the wrong motives. They weren't seeking him for eternal life. Not for mercy, not for forgiveness of sins. Now it's a very serious thing, let me say, to forsake the living God. Because there is no salvation now, I'm speaking nominally when somebody says, Ah, oh, well, I've lost faith in the Bible. I've lost faith in Jesus Christ. I've, I've lost all faith. Well, it's a very serious thing because the Scriptures say there is salvation in no other than Jesus Christ. To forsake the Lord Jesus is a very, very serious thing because there's no other name, the scriptures say, given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. Because there's no other hope. There's no hope in Confucius or Muhammad or any of the religions of this world. They're all false and they're all man-made. They're not from heaven. Here is one who has said, I have come down from heaven. No other person in this world would ever dare say that. Of course, the person was mad, was a maniac. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's either speaking the truth or he's mad. But the, the proof of the miracles give veracity to the fact that he is God, the Son that has come down from heaven, the Son of God, who became the Son of Man. The miracles bear testimony to, To the fact that he is God. And to depart from Jesus Christ, to depart from him is to depart from truth because he is the word. If you depart from Jesus Christ, you depart from the word of God. Because he is the word. He is the eternal word. He is the eternal logos. He is the word of God. Look at the verse 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. The words that he spoke were by the Holy Spirit. He was fully endued, fully endowed with the Spirit of God. As he began his earthly ministry, remember there in the Jordan as he was baptized, the Spirit came down upon him as a dove. We don't know exactly what that means or what that would look like. But we believe it when the scriptures say this. And there was a voice from heaven that came down that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear he, him. No other time in all of the world's history was a voice heard from heaven that came down and pronounced such blessing upon one. But it came upon the one who is the word, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, said John. In Matthew chapter 10 and the verse 40, did he not say this to his disciples? And this is important because if to depart from the Lord Jesus is to depart from his disciples who he gave real authority. The apostles had Authority, apostolic authority. This is why he said in Matthew 10, verse 40, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. That word was spoken to the apostles. Sadly, many Christians have abused that text and used it to say, Well, if you refuse what I'm saying, you refuse God. and They can say what they like. That was to testify to apostolic authority. The apostles held real authority. They are the the church is built on Jesus Christ, of course, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, and the apostles and the prophets. That's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 2. And the apostles had a real authority, they were also endued with the Spirit of God. And we have all the epistles. So to depart from Christ is to depart from scriptural teaching. Because Christ spoke through the apostles. All the epistles. So you've got to deny not just the prophets of old who spoke of Christ, but the New Testament. It's to depart from the entire New Testament. Because Christ speaks to the churches. We, we've seen this in the book of the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, where Christ addresses the church. All scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So to deny Jesus Christ, you have to deny all of scripture. And the scriptures testify of him. Did he not say this? Ye search the scriptures, in them ye think ye have eternal life, but it is they which do testify of me. So it's a very serious thing, isn't it, to depart from Christ. There are many who, even in the early church, remember how John, we just turned to First John 2 verse 18, and this is why whatever we teach in this church and whatever we, we teach from the epistles, and we must know this, John was a disciple here being discipled by the Lord Jesus, and had real apostolic authority. John tells us in First John 2 that there was schisms, there was heresies in his day, there were false teachers. He says, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So, it's to depart from the church, and of course the church is Christ's, and he has given the apostles. Real apostolic teaching and authority. The church was given the word. The apostles are part of that foundation. It is to depart from all scripture. And there are those that depart. They depart from Christians. So to to depart from Christ is to depart from other Christians and to depart from the church, which is Christ's. And the church has a real teaching authority and ministry. You you may as well depart from the church. It's, It's true, many would not receive the word of God. Just as here, in John 6, many departed, many followed no more. They stopped in John's day, meeting in the gathered church. This is why the scriptures say, don't forsake the gathering or the assembling of yourselves together. Some are in the manner of doing Because the apostles were given a real authority and instruction by the Spirit of God. Paul emphasizes this a number of times, that he spoke by the Spirit of God. And as Peter wrote, that was real apostolic teaching. And what we find in Acts chapter 2 is the blueprint of the church, how it met, how it was to be instructed in the way of righteousness. And so this was very true in the very early church many departed as we've read there in uh, 1 John 2:18 how many departed from the church because they would not follow the instruction of Christ that he gave to the apostles And you know you may not necessarily reject the actual quoted words of Christ but if you reject the apostles and any apostolic teaching You reject Jesus Christ, because that's what he said. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. The apostles had real teaching, authority, and uh, no minister is to go beyond the word of God. What we practice in this church and anywhere else is to be that of apostolic teaching. We follow in the apostolic model of the church, because the Lord Jesus said that he would instruct them by his spirit. And it means to depart from Jesus Christ is to depart from the church, Uh, to have nothing to do with the church, to depart from the gathered people. Now we come to the question, how is it that many followed him no more? And he asks the question here, Will you go away also? Will you depart? Will you go? Will you also go away? Verse 67. And of course, the true disciples won't. But what about you? Let's ask some questions. As I said, some people seek the Lord Jesus Christ for entirely wrong motives. And uh, in this service this evening, I want us to search our own hearts. If we're truly seeking the Lord and we're trying to find out, Am I saved? Am I the Lord's or not? Well, what is the motive of you seeking the Lord? Why do you seek him? There were many, first of all, think of the day. He has just fed many. And what does he say? You seek me. Look at the verse 26. Not because ye saw the miracles. In other words, it wasn't even the miracles. It wasn't the miracles that attracted them, but because he did eat of the loaves and were filled. We've just read of this great miracle of feeding the many, and he knew that people wanted to take him and make him king. And there were those that sought him because their bellies were filled. They sought him for temporal reasons. And my friends, there are so many in churches that seek the Lord for temporal reasons.
1: I want a good job.
0: Well, everybody wants a good job. I want happiness. I want friends. I want health. I want possessions. I want food to eat. That was the motive that they were seeking. And the Lord knows the heart. They were seeking the Lord for these reasons, for temporal reasons. And there are so many that seek the Lord. Uh, You know, I I don't believe it that poverty necessarily will make people seek God, even in poor countries. I've lived in poor countries in the world. And poverty doesn't really make people seek God. Please, we've got to understand that. And you talk to the missionaries that have gone out there. Poverty doesn't make people seek God. Because you can give them money, and all they want is more money. They don't want necessarily
1: God. Now, let me say this. When the Lord saves somebody, the life does change.
0: And There is a change in people. Let me say this. When you become a Christian, God does put a little bit of money in the back pocket. How does that happen? It's quite simple. You stop spending your money on foolish things. You quit going to the pub. You quit buying the cigarettes and spending money on drugs and nightclubs and things like that. So God does put a bit of money in the pocket. It's common sense, isn't it? And uh, you you stop squandering your money. You stop going to all the football matches and the nights out and the TV subscriptions and the worldly pursuits. All that goes out the window, so your life begins to change immediately. Just common sense. You begin to see, this. this is not what I want anymore. And you start to realize that actually it's quite easy to manage your finances when you're a Christian because you're starting to think right. But let me say this. Being a Christian does bring trouble, does bring tribulation. There will be persecution in the life, most certainly. And this is where you see people fall away who are not genuinely saved. Because they thought all would be swimmingly well. You know the parable, don't you, of the sower? The seed that falls amongst the thorns. Immediately the thorns, the riches, choke up the seed. And it's no more. Or the sun bears down and it scorched that that seed. And it's no more. And so if you're thinking that the Christian life is all going to be well, and you're not going to have trouble, you're going to be mighty disappointed. And there are many like this here. You know, it's not always food, is it? But the Lord does, let me say, when you are saved, he starts to help you to live with a bit of common sense. You know, you, you start to manage your money a little bit better. You start to be a little bit more thoughtful. And providentially, the Lord begins to order your life. And you find that somebody with a, a liberal, a generous heart, God puts more in their hands. That's just the way God works in life. And he teaches you to be content with what you have. And he teaches you that laziness is is a sin. In fact, we read, don't we, in Thessalonians if a man not work, let him not eat. The scriptures are very plain. God will not have us to be idle people or be idle people. So these things are very plain. But you see, people seek the Lord for wrong reasons. I want this, I want that. And Yeah, but when trouble comes, if you belong to the Lord, persecution soon arises. And you see people fall away. Why? Because they sought the Lord for in completely sinful motives, selfish motives. It's not sinful
1: to want normal things in life, food,
0: clothing, husbands, wives. That, that's not wrong. Those are not illegitimate things. But if that is the only reason, it's entirely wrong. And you'll soon be disappointed, won't you? You'll soon be dissatisfied. And so the question is, will you also go away? Are you such a thinker tonight that this is the reason why? There are some that think, well, if I become a Christian, I'll be popular. Let me give you an example. If you turn to Luke chapter 9, here we have three examples of people who followed for the wrong reasons. Uh, first of all, it says um, in Luke nine fifty seven, and this is why I'm just going to show you here why it's always important to cross reference other passages of Scripture. Luke nine fifty seven, it says, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now this man, we know, was a scribe. We know this because if you turn to Matthew 8 and the verse 19, it says, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes and the birds the air have nests and so on. So we know he was a scribe. He's seeing the Lord Jesus says, you know what? I see all that you're doing, all these miracles, all these wonderful things. I'll follow you. Maybe he's thinking,
1: I'll be famous. I'll be well thought of. I'll have a house. This life of a scribe's hard, you know. Copying the scriptures. The Lord says, you know what? The birds of the air have nests.
0: The foxes have holes. But I've got nowhere to lay my head. You want to follow me? You better think twice. He knew this man's motive.
1: You see? Will he also go away? The person who is looking for something other than Christ
0: will go away. Searching, isn't it? You'll go away. Because if you're looking for that, He's not going to give you anything else but Him. He gives Himself to those who truly desire Him. He is the bread of life. Life is in Him. To know Him is life. To enjoy Him and to know His presence, that's life. To come along to seek to know God. And to love him and to experience him in the heart. And to know fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Will you go away? Will you just seeking, like this scribe,
1: maybe wealth, a bit of fame. To be well thought of by others. Hard
0: work. It was being a disciple. Not easy. There was another that said, if you look there at verse 59, Luke 9, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You say,
1: Lord, that's pretty harsh. Let the
0: dead bury their dead. The Lord knew this man's father even. Let the dead the spiritually dead, you've got a more important work to do. You don't put your will before mine, he says. And that's the way, isn't it? What the Lord demands in one's life is his will above your will. And if that's not the case, will you go away? Are you prepared to follow God? To do all that he says? Even if... The family say, I'm sure the Lord wouldn't call us to do this in the immediate sense, but even if he did, will you be prepared to be the laughing stock of your family? Would you? Would you be prepared to be scorned for his sake? Would you think more about the world and the family? Of course, he would never cause us to be unkind. But whatever he asks us to do, would that go first? You see, God has to be first in the life, not last, not second to our choices, not somewhere down the list. To another, verse 61, notice. Also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me go, first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you've started already, he says you follow me. And if I've called you to do this, you don't go back. You press on. Your real family is in heaven. Your dwelling place is with God's people. Yes, you must love your love your loved ones and your natural um, scene in this world, but you've got to be prepared to put him first. That's the lesson. Will you also go away? So the question is put, and what does Peter say? Lord, we have it here. Where shall we go? Thou has the words of eternal life. You see, Christ has truth. And when you've come to know the truth, you won't depart from it. And and this is the thing, you, you cannot, when we think about Christ, you do not separate him from the truth. And so sadly, so many people do today. They have this imaginary thought about Christ. It's just, should we say, sentimentalism. But there's no attachment to Christ and his word. I cannot detach the Lord Jesus Christ for what he says about himself. You know, you think about somebody's words. You think about somebody, don't you? Think about maybe somebody you know. You know that person by their words. Because their words express their person and their desire and what they want. Their whole character and their whole outlook. And when we read about Christ, what does he say about this world? He says this world is passing. He said this world is sinful, isn't it? And the man that says he follows me and he puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, as it were, he's not worthy. He's not fit for the kingdom of heaven. He's going to plow in a crooked line, isn't he? He's going constantly looking back and, He's not looking where he's going. He's not focusing ahead. Will you also go away? You see, the person that's looking back, as it were, like Lot's wife, looking back to Sodom with a twinkle in the eye, she was no more. You're not fit. It shows that Christ is not the object of your desire. Our desire has to be him who is from heaven, a wonderful person, the creator who came down, who said, I am the bread of life. You you think of, I think, one of the greatest miracles is the 40 years that God fed these people in the wilderness, and they want another sign? Great sign was there in the wilderness, and now Christ has fed the people, and now they want another sign. Show us another sign, says in this passage. They're looking for more signs. They're not looking for the Lord, who is the obvious. By the very fact that he he turned just a little bit of bread into feeding thousands and the fish. And there was
1: a great abundance. Is that not enough? They just wanted... It was unbelief,
0: wasn't it? Sin is unbelief. Unbelief is sin. Peter's reply, Where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter saw the value of Christ's word. My friend, when you come to Christ's word, what, what do you think? How do you treat Christ's word? says a lot, doesn't it? But what we believe, we don't dabble with it. We don't twist it. We say, Lord, what you say is right. I believe it with all my heart. Well, the psalmist says, who have I in heaven but thee? Psalm 73, verse 25, there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion is Forever. The Lord, his disciples were satisfied with him. We won't go anywhere else, Lord. You speak the truth. See, truth is what mattered. The miracles, they did testify of him. But how many people perish, friends, who have the word of God? And here's the thing. Do you value the word of God? I, I want to ask you that. Because if you don't, you will go away. I'll say that quite plain and quite clear tonight. You will
1: go away. Because you are kept by God's power through faith in this
0: word. You know, people say, oh, well, Peter says, 1 Peter 1.5 five. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Yeah, but faith in what? If you are not reading the Word, I don't care what you say your faith is in, there's no faith. Because this Word points to Christ. It's Christ's Word. And if you are not engaging your soul in the Word, you will go away.
1: Well, you might be saved, but you'll certainly drift away. And you'll certainly backslide. And I wouldn't tempt God.
0: Of course, God can't be tempted in that true sense. But I wouldn't test God. I wouldn't put it to the test, would you? Would you trifle with your never-dying soul? No, you read the Word. You cling on to every word of the Bible. Thou hast the words of eternal life. My friend, how much do you value the Word? I know we've given people, I think most people in the church here, a daily remembrance book, a daily reading book. Keep up your daily reading of the Bible. Search the Scriptures. You have so much. We have a plethora of truth. So many sermons to listen to. And you can go back and listen. But you don't just love to hear the Word. You want to see that Word lived out in the life. Surely, don't you? Now hast the words. And if you have those words, that word takes hold in your life. And you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, don't you? That was Peter. They continued because they valued the word of Christ. Now, that's the question put to you. Will you go away? What are you seeking the Lord for? Do you find in his word riches and wisdom? Do you find in his word life? His word is life. His word is sweet. Have you begun to taste the word of God? The psalmist says, Thy word is sweeter than honey, than the honeycomb to me. Is it sweet to you? Well, if it is, you'll spend time in the word. you read the word. And maybe you don't understand the word, but you say, Lord, as you pray, reveal thy word to me. If you really value something and you see the value of it, you'll take time. It's like gold, you know, I suppose. People mine for gold because they see its value. But we are told by Solomon that it is better than the finest gold. It is glorious because it speaks of Christ and it, it not only shows us the way of salvation... But the word of God is full of wisdom. And if you love and Christ is endeared to you, you want to please him. Will you go also away? Will you also go away? Now notice, Judas is here, isn't he? And uh, Judas, certainly one that's being quiet at the moment, not saying a word. The Lord knew He would go away. Another way, reason why many went away is not only they sought for the wrong motives, sought the Lord, but that they were offended at His doctrine. That's what we learn here. Look at verse 41. I want you to notice, people are, some people are offended at this. And hear what I'm saying. There are some that do have a clear knowledge of Christ they can still be lost, and they're offended at certain doctrinal truths. Let me show you. Verse 41. First of all, they're offended at his divine being and origin. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? They were offended. The fact that he was saying that he is the Son of God. And there are many like that. Who would, sadly, even the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're offended at this. That he made himself to be equal with God. And they would twist and wrangle the scriptures. They're offended at this. And they do not receive him as the Christ, the Mormons. And there are others, even the Mohammedans, the Muslims. Oh, Jesus is a prophet. But he's not the Son of God. He's not God. They're offended at that. There are also others. He gives another doctrine. And I tell you, there are people in evangelical circles that are offended at this. Verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. What's that teaching you? The total depravity of man. And people are offended at that. And they go on about man's free will, free will, free will. My friends, read our confession. Chapter 9 is excellent. God did endue Adam and Eve with a free will. But that will is no longer free. It is bound to a fallen nature. That's what our confession teaches. But when God saves, he changes the will, the mind, and the affections so that he makes his people willing in the day of his power. But there are people that are offended at that. You know, when I the Lord first saved me, I didn't have a problem with that. In fact, it was a great comfort to me. It humbled me. It actually gave me great comfort to think God drew me. And the fact that I'm believing is because of God. God had mercy on me. But there are many that are offended at that. What is that? It's pride, my friend. Nothing but pride. It says man can do it. So he gives second, the second doctrine there, the total depravity of man. And then he gives another doctrine that offended men. It is his exaltation to heaven, verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up, where he was before. He puts in another doctrine there. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be on my throne. Where I was before. I'm going to be with my Father. Many
1: are offended. This
0: He had the glory that he had with the Father. This word here, offended, is the word scandalion, is to scandalize. Are you scandalized by this? Does it trouble you? Well, many people are offended at Christ. Many people seek him for the wrong reasons. What they're offended at is his word. The one thing you do not do, friend, is separate Christ from his word. It's like this. Nobody, you would want, never want somebody to misrepresent you, would you? You say, well, that's not what I said. You're misrepresenting me. You know, somebody misrepresent you. You get mighty offended, don't you? Well, we never do that with Christ. We never put words in his mouth, or we never take words away from him. And there are so many that add to Scripture, and there are so many that subtract from Scripture. You know what?
1: Those same people will go away.
0: They all will. And you know what? They will go into everlasting torment and fire. Those who receive
1: his word, what do they do? they receive it humbly. I've come to seek and save those who are lost. I've come
0: to seek and save poor, wretched sinners. There's nothing that the sinner can do to ever merit eternal life. But Christ gives all the merits that he has ever earned to all who believe upon him. His merits of a spotless righteousness before a holy God. And that's humbling, isn't it? To think that there is nothing you or I could ever do to merit ourselves before God. But Christ does it all for all of His people, and they humbly receive it. And they receive Him. To receive Him is to receive His Word. And to simply trust in His righteousness and His death
1: for His people. Well, that's our wonderful Savior.
0: And really, it's, it's a wonderful thing, it's a liberating thing to receive His Word, isn't it? Because it sets us free. Sets us free from ourselves, from our guilt, from our shame. And we trust implicitly on him. The scriptures say, he that believeth in him shall not stumble or be offended. You will not stumble
1: in this life. The Lord
0: is gracious. He sent his gracious son but men are offended in him. But remember what he said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Will you go away? That's the question tonight. I said I'm going to begin a series of studies in these gospel sermons with biblical questions. And the question is, will you go away? You come here for meetings, but will time prove that you were just like one of these disciples? You hear, you hear, but eventually you say, I've had enough of this. I say, you depart from Christ, you depart from eternal life. Because only life is in him. If you depart from him, you never had him. You never knew him.
1: There was a head knowledge. And you imagined
0: things about him that were not true. And you subtracted things that he said about himself that were true. Yes, that's what
1: you did. And that is a sin.
0: His people will hear. And they will believe upon him. And they will find peace in this life. My friends, his demands are absolute. And they're only right. They're absolute upon us because... We are his creatures. Think of it. Jesus Christ made all things. All things were made by him and for him. And should we not bow and humbly obey him and follow him? Well, may the Lord give hearts to do so. And all to the glory
1: of his name. Amen.